Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Let's just pray again to him, God. God, we we are here today and we're looking forward to what you want to speak to us. And God, we just think about that song, you have no rival, you have no equal. And God, I wanna anchor us today in in that truth. And Lord, whatever we do, whatever we say today, Lord, may it bring honor and glory to your name. Thank you for your name or for what that means to us. I thank you for every person in this room, God, wherever they may be, wherever they may be on their journey, may you meet them right where they need you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much and thank you uh, to the team. That was awesome. Oh my goodness. Well, it's another Easter, one of my uh, favorite holidays uh, for sure. Uh, And again, I'm really honored to spend it with you. I remember, I have this memory of when I was, I don't know, maybe four or five years old. I was trying to to talk this through with my mom this week. I have this very distinct memory I'd like to tell you about. And um, I can't remember exactly where it was. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but this is my memory. I remember going to the fair and uh, I was little. And so you know what the fair is like. I mean, there's people all around. Uh, there's booze. It's the smells. It's the, the muddy walks and the strewn hay all over the place, right? There's the music in the background. And I remember I'm a little kid, four or five years old, and I'm holding uh, my parents' hands or whatever. We're kind of walking in a group. And so everything's kind of overwhelming. And all of a sudden, and I don't know how, I don't know why, but I found myself with no one around me. Somehow, I had lost the rest of my family. And if you've ever been lost, you know the feel, it's like this sinking feeling. And again, I'm this little kid and I'm looking around and I'm like this small and there's people, there's people everywhere, they're going by me, right? And there's all this noise and I'm, and I'm frantic and I'm looking around and I'm like, mom, dad, where are you? I had no idea where they were. So here's the thing, like I was talking to my mom about this. I don't, she doesn't recall exactly. It could have been one of those situations where they had a half an eye on me. You know what I mean? Like I have, I have kids, I've always had to keep a half an eye on them because I don't really trust exactly what they're going to do. So it's possible I wasn't really lost, but for me, it didn't matter. I felt lost. And so I'm crying out. And again, I'm frantic, what, where are you? And all of a sudden, my mom, she comes over and she goes, hey, it's okay, it's okay. I'm here, I'm here. And just those words of, of comfort were, was, was what I needed, right? Oh, this assurance that she was here for me. Fast forward through my life, I have this other memory, and I know some of you moms and dads are going to understand what I'm about to say. Um, 
we had this experience where our daughter, our firstborn, uh, was going to have surgery. And now this was the first surgery for one of our kids. And I was really nervous about it. Now it was minor surgery. It wasn't a big deal. It was, uh, she had to get adenoids and tonsils taken out. But still, like, I had this, like, sense as a parent of, like, oh, my goodness, what if something goes wrong? What, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. So, so we go to the hospital, Connecticut Children's Medical Center, and if you've ever been there and maybe your child has had surgery there, you know how they take you in the car and they drive you down to the operating room, right? And so, so I remember, um, you know, sending my daughter off. I think we, Sarah and I were talking about this. I think she kind of walked to the OR uh, with, you know, behind the car and I kind of stayed back in the waiting room. And so we dropped our child off in the hands of the surgeon. And I remember feeling really emotional about that. And what seemed like maybe 10 minutes later, no lie, uh, the nurse came out to Sarah and I that we were in the waiting room and she, and she says, hey, your daughter is ready. So we follow her into the recovery room. And what I saw as a dad was like a knife going through my heart. Because here was this little girl, I think she was five years old, and she was coming out of anesthesia and her eyes were like bugging out of her head. Like she had no idea where she was and what was going on. It was like that frantic, scared look and she's trying to scream out, but she can't scream because she just had surgery on her throat, right? And I remember this feeling, oh my goodness, I felt so bad for this girl. And I ran over and I said, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Dad's here. Dad is here and Sarah's on the other side of her. And I still remember, I had tears in my, I didn't want to see my child like that. Now she got over it pretty quickly because when we told her she could have all the ice cream that she wants, she was down with that. So that went away pretty quick, but still it's that, it's that sense of, oh my goodness. But it's also that sense of, hey, I am here. I am here. It brings comfort. It means I'm going to be here for you no matter what. I want to be here because I love you and I'm going to take care of you, right? Maybe some of you, I know some of you have lost a loved one. And in some of the most difficult days of your life, you would probably attest to the fact that someone comes to you and says, Hey, I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. Those words bring life to your life. Because being present is an act of love, right? I am here for you. I am not going to forget you. This is all of this conveys this. And so now we come to our scripture today, the Bible today. And I want to talk about um, a name for God. We're in the middle of a series called I Am. And uh, we are talking about the names of God. 
the power of God, what that brings to our life as we study the names for him. And Carrie kicked it off last week in really an amazing message. And if you have not watched it, you should go back and watch it. But she talks about how God, as we set up the series, how God meets us right where we need him. And these names for God, all these various names that mean different things, he often shows up in that time for us when we need that most And so today is no exception. We find the children of Israel. Now, Israel was kind of God's chosen people. The whole story of the Old Testament is really about this group of people and their uh, history. And and, uh, it's a history of ups and downs, of highs and lows, of good times and times of struggle. And the point where I want to pick up really quick today, and it's really quick, because we find a name of God in this passage. It was one of those times where Israel was at kind of one of their low points. In fact, they found themselves in another country. They were, they were taken captive. And so they didn't have, they weren't living in their own land. The temple that was a kind of the center of their life and the center of their worship was gone. It was actually destroyed. And so here we have this group of people who feel like they had no hope. They feel like, how are we ever going to get out of this? How are we ever going to get out of this pattern? And so God sends these prophets, right? And these prophets were there for encouragement and also for rebuke and trying to get people on the right track. And, And they were voices of God in this day. And so the verse that we see in Ezekiel Chapter 48, verse 35, lets us know about the name of God that I want to look at for a few minutes today. And the verse simply reads this. The name of that city from that time on will be the Lord is there. What's cool about that is this is the name, the last name given to God in the Old Testament. It's called Jehovah Shema. Yahweh Shema. Everybody say that with me. Jehovah Shema. Come on, say that with me. Come on. Jehovah Shema. Yes, and what it means is the Lord is there. You could also say God is present. The Lord will be here for you. Yahweh Shema. I will be there. I am there. I am present. And of course, this probably had a couple different meanings in this particular verse because he's not only talking about God for them right in that moment, but he was even could be looked at prophetically like one day in in heaven, I will be there. I'm going to make things right. I'm going to bring everything together and I will be there. He's also talking about, in the physical sense, the new Jerusalem. When it is rebuilt, guess what? My temple is gonna be rebuilt and I will be there. And it reminds me of that verse, Matthew 28, 20, that says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jehovah Shema, the promise that he wants to complete a work in us. He wants to restore our broken lives and we will find one day rest and glory in him. And because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's still Jehovah Shema for us right now. And you say, Tom, how? How is he with us right now? 
Well, I'm glad you asked because this is the verses I want to look at this morning. And if you have a Bible, you could take that out and look at that. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to have them on the screen. I want to read a passage of scripture we find in the book of John. John chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 15, okay? John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. This is what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, you will do what I say. And then I will ask my father and he will give you another helper. He will be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth and the world cannot receive him. It does not see him or know him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. And I want to stop really quick right here and kind of talk about what he's saying here. He's kind of setting up a contrast between two different groups of people. He's saying the people who follow me, who know me, who love me, who obey me, you have a promise. And then he's kind of alluding to another group of people who who are on the journey. They're not quite there yet. And there's a distinction between the two. I'm gonna pick up again in verse 18. He says, I will not leave you without help as children without parents. I will come to you. And in a little while, the world will see me no more. And by the way, he's foretelling his death. You will see me because I live in you and you will live also. When that day comes, you will know that I am in my father and you will know that you are in me and you will know that I am in you. And the one who loves me is the one who has my teaching and obeys it. My father will love whoever loves me and I will love him and will show myself to him. Again, I'm going to stop really quick. Like I said, he's talking about the event of his death. That, that service, and I don't know if you guys got to watch our Good Friday service the other night. What an incredible, incredible time. And that is up for you to watch. Uh, we're so grateful that Irena shared that with us. But we observed the death of our Lord in that amazing service. So he's foreshadowing this. He is leaving the world, but he says, somehow I'm still going to be present for those of you who are here. Let's keep reading. Verse 22. The other Judas, not Iscariot, not the one who betrayed him, as we read about in the Bible. The other Judas said to him, why is it that you're going to show yourself to us followers and not to the world? And Jesus said, well, the one who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love him and we will come to him and live with him. The one who does not love me does not obey my teaching. The teaching you are now hearing is not my teaching, but is from my father who sent me. And I have told you these things while I am still with you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. And the father will send him in my place. He will teach you everything and help you remember everything that I have told you. I want to stop again really quick. So when Jesus is asked, how is he going to show himself to the world? How is he going to show up? How is he going to be present in our lives? Jesus says, hey, it's the one who's looking for me. It's the one who's searching for truth. The one who is going to obey me that I am going to reveal myself to. And I'm going to reveal myself to you by this person of the Godhead called the Holy Spirit. He calls him the helper. He's called the comforter. He's called the teacher. There's all these different names for God and the Holy Spirit particularly. 
He's saying, it's the Holy Spirit that I'm going to give you that's going to allow me to be present with you. I'm going to finish up these last couple of verses in John, verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I do not give peace to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. I lost my place. (laughs) Hold on one second. The trouble with technology. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me say that I am going away, but I am coming back to you. And if you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. The Father is greater than I, and I have told you this before it happens, so then when it does happen, you will believe. So he's talking about his death, but then he brings us up to this day, this day that we're celebrating today, Resurrection Sunday. And this is so awesome. This is the part of the story we reach right now. You may or may not be familiar with what happens, but we celebrate and we observe the event of Jesus' death. And then three days later, we pick up the story of the resurrection in Scripture. Now, I'm not going to read it all. There are actually four different accounts of this, and they all have various details But let me just tell you the the gist of what's going on here. We find in the story two women, both of them named Mary. On the third day after Jesus' death, going as they did even the two days before to the tomb. Because as was custom, they were going to visit the body, put spices on the bodies, just, you know, tradition that they did. And even says one of the accounts are like, I wonder, you know, who's going to roll away the stone from the tomb today. And so when they get to this part, they notice right away, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And they start to get a little bit nervous. And they run towards the tomb. And they run, as they run right before the tomb, they see two, three, whatever it is, soldiers that were guarding the tomb, laying on the ground as if they were dead. What is going on? The stone is already rolled away and they run into the tomb and what did they find? What did they find? Nothing. Jesus' body was gone. They became frantic. What's going on? The Bible says they were scared. They trembled in fear. What has happened? And all these thoughts start racing through their minds, right? And they come out and they don't know what to do. And all of a sudden they see an angel of the Lord. And the Bible says, where, they say, where is he? And he says, he is not here. He is not here. Certainly, this is the beauty 
of the resurrection because it brings me to my main point today and it's this. The reason why he is here, the reason why he is with us, the reason why we can experience Jehovah Shema is because he is not here in the grave. The reason he is here is because he is not here, amen? That is the power and the beauty and the amazing part of the resurrection. He is Jehovah Shema because his life conquered death. And in the same way, he wants to resurrect us to new life. And so we come to one of those great statements that Jesus said, those I am statements, like the name of our series. He said previously, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And this is the big question for us today. Do you believe it? Will you believe it? This is the amazing thing. He gives us a choice. He gives us a choice. And you say, Tom, listen, I struggle with this. I just don't know. It just doesn't seem like, that seems like such a stretch. That's a pretty fantastic, incredible thing to believe. You know what's interesting about that? I was reading another account of this yesterday. And even Jesus' own disciples said the exact same thing. I don't believe it. And so we see Peter, who ends up wanting to go see for himself, and he runs to the tomb after the, the women said, he's not there. He's I, I can't believe this. No way. I realize that this is a stretch. But for me, but for me, and where I've come and where God has brought me, is that no matter what I'm looking at, no matter what faith, no matter what worldview, no matter what things are, are going, I am taking always a leap of faith. And for me, I've decided I'm gonna take that leap of faith on the one who has defeated death and the one who was not there because he is here with us. Jehovah Shema, Yahweh Shema. In one of the most straightforward verses in the Bible about what it means to follow Jesus, this is what the Bible says. Romans 10 verse 9, it says, if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, his authority, his majesty as God, and believe in your heart that what? God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. This is the question we all wrestle with. Do you believe this? Wherever you are in your journey, whatever things you're trying to wrestle through in your own heart, in your own mind, this I know for sure. We need something outside of ourselves. More than ever, we need peace and hope in our lives. More than ever, even in this past year, we need something. We realize we cannot control and we are seeking something bigger than us. So I think we're all at that point. 
And so for just a minute, I want to show a video here because I, I want you to hear some words that God may want you to hear this morning. Let this speak to you. I am the might before the sword, the tremors and the spear shaft. I craft my ways from blazes of firestorms, absorb the failings of deadened ends to render the floors I dance upon. I am the spaces between applause, the roars of hearts running through heaven's halls. I breathe the forms of light and silence, stall the course of cosmic riots. I am the glory of the giants Manaslu, Sagomatha, watchmen of the Asian plains. They yield my name, made famous through the cries of albatross flocks, inflamed in Pacific fires. I am dressed in the spray of Nevada dunes, clothed in the shadows of Sahara caves. I am the light of lunar flames, fleshing the rains of Amazonia. I paint the trains of Antarctic quests, release dominion to desert panthera. I authorize the remains of Aztec and Inca that bloom through the visions of mountain tribes. I ride the skylines, breathe the signs, ignite the paths of astronomy's eyes. I am the unheard, heard in the storms that burn on my words. I am the yearned for, I am the word. I emerge deciduous from the wetlands of your cries, rise through the moments you wake. I bring the dawns that shake the fevers from your remembrance. I am here, I am imminent. I am he who crosses the plains through which you strayed. Discover the parts extinction seared. I dust away the dried remains of tears, drain the lakes of your regrets. I wet the wells, till the soil, placate the toil, quell the rages, sow the broken pages with my belief in you. I bring the you you have never quite met. I am the desire that keeps your pillow wet. I am the heartbeat you seek when you chase after dreams. In the reachings and sighs, you are looking for me. In the body touching body, it is me you seek. In the groans and the longings, it is me you seek. In the yearning dream, in the need to be seen. In the love me, love me, it is me you seek. In the breath drop wonders, gasping hunger. In the touch of a stranger that makes you feel younger. In the books and the fables, in the this is me labels. In the is this me, is this me, in the hear me. Hear me, say my name in the touch me, find me, need me, find me in the aching pain, in the love, the music, the beats, the taste, in the heat and the need, and the need for embrace, in the color, the gaze, the meaning, the desire, in the flame of the voice and the spirit of the fire. When you cry for more, my name you weep. I am he who waits for you to reach. I reach for you and wait when you lie half broken and awake. I am the watchman of your sleep. I wait and wait till the shakings cease. I am the truth they call release. When the darkness flares and starts to speak, I sculpt the shades of daybreak. It is me you seek. 
every time I see that video, I'm overwhelmed. It speaks to my heart because Jesus, God, wants to be Jehovah, Yahweh, Shema for you. He wants to be present. He wants to be with you. And I know, I know you may be feeling like I did when I was four years old, looking around, seeking something. I was lost. I did not like how I felt. I was scared. I felt alone. God wants to be Jehovah Shema for you. He wants to be present in your life. And what I love about he talks about in, in the everyday things of life, in music, in art, as we're driving down the street in our car, as we're discussing life over a cup of coffee with a friend, he wants to be with us. He is with us. He is present for us. And so today, I want to encourage you to consider the, signif the significance of the resurrection for you. The reason he is here is because he is not there. Do you believe this? Here's the truth. The truth is, Jesus was either a liar or a crazy man, or he was telling the truth, and he's a savior, the one who comes near. What he said was, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the path that moves us from death to life. And this claim, this claim demands some kind of response from me. It, it, it demands some kind of response from you as well. And I know for me, and I know for our elders, and I know for Carrie, and the people who represent this church, there's nothing more that we want for you is to just consider. Consider it for yourself. Consider as you are on your journey seeking truth and seeking peace and seeking hope in your life. Just consider it. No one can force you. God gives you choice. The New Testament is made up of four, uh, the, the Gospels in the New Testament are made up of four books. We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and I've read a lot from John this morning. And John says in his book, his purpose for writing this was clear in his own words. He says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Life is Jesus' gift. Life is Christ's gift. In fact, he is the life, John says. 
life and living fellowship with God, both now and forever. God is there. Jehovah Shema. May God give you the grace and the wisdom in your seeking.